Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We have become the source of authenticity and exactitude for so many here in Southeast Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley. Why? Because you've all identified our show as the guidepost for all truth seekers everywhere. The Point is the home of factualism. Thanks for all of you for tuning in today. We do have an action-packed show, and we'll be moving fast, so fast, It'll seem like the speed of sound. We're going to provide an explanation to the unexplainable and discuss and expose the media malpractice occurring every day on the propaganda fake news outlets with their fake journalists and fake experts. So let's jump right into it. I wanted to chat a little bit what's going on with the, uh, again, you're looking at the convention, what happened at this convention. It's a real... It's a real amazing thing because you're looking at, you know, the, what we watched with the Democrat convention was pathetic. It was genuinely, sincerely pathetic. The conflicting messages. I mean, you've got Bernie Sanders describing how socialist they're going to be and how how left wing they're going to be and and how how much they're they're tied to this socialist agenda. And then you've got. You know, Republicans or former Republicans now, uh, uh, John Kasich up there de- describing, uh, you know, how they're not going to be. OK. And literally, you've got this within minutes of each other. So if you are a viewer uh, of these of these uh, telethons, because that's what this is, it's not really a convention. It's a telethon. If you were a viewer of this telethon, you would be very confused. You'd be looking at this saying, well, which is it? Are you a loony left or are you straight and narrow, straight down the middle? I mean, what, what, what are you? And, you know, you've got Bernie Sanders out there doing the wink, wink, nod, nod to these people. And that's what he's doing. They're doing the wink, wink, nod, nod. And it, it was just and then, of course, then you've got their other people they're bringing on uh, telling everyone how mainstream they are and, and everything else. I mean, but but watching the, the phony propaganda, propaganda, the phony fake journalists and their fake experts talk about how wonderful this was, how masterfully put together this was, how how strategic it was. And, and oh, my goodness. I mean, I hope we never, ever go back to conventions being held with with a lot of people out there screaming and clapping with a lot of energy out there. You know, uh, I mean, the lengths to which the, they are out there, the, to the lengths to which the fake news is out there trying to give political cover to this, this abysmal performance by the Democrats is so pathetic. It is so pathetic. And it's breathtaking, folks, to behold. And I, I'm telling you, I see this every day. I'm amazed at this. I was amazed watching this. You see, one thing you have to realize about a convention, a convention is the apparatus that is used in circles today, has been used in circles, political circles for the last hundred years or so, or even longer. Uh, it's, it's been used to, to, to uh, basically take the political product, i.e. The, the presidential candidate and the vice presidential candidate, to take that political product and to promote it and to generate the buzz and the publicity with it. By using the the nuclear power plant energy source, if you will, of the media, and uh, they would be out there declaring all of this energy and hype and all this wonderful fanfare, 
I mean, the media would listen to like the national anthem being sung and you would hear it with your ears and say that was a horrible rendition. And they would be saying how wonderful it was. And you would be saying, well, wait a minute. I just heard the same thing they heard. How are they seeing it wonderful? And I'm not. What's happening is, you know, that they're trying to play on the lack of confidence, I guess, that some voters have or whatever, or instill uncertainty in some of the viewers by saying, we're smarter than you. We see it right. You don't. Just bear with us. And they're basically out there declaring, bear with us, and we will tell you what is proper to think. And we will help you understand what your opinion really is as we help you develop it. That's basically what the media is out there doing. And they do this with a with, with a generally with, with a with a convention with a lot of buzz and a lot of fanfare, a lot of people screaming and clapping and whatnot. Well, what we've just seen with the Democrat convention has been a pathetic, unbelievably uh, just abysmal performance telethon, if you will. I mean, the guy that needs all the energy, the candidate that has no energy, the candidate and the, 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 the team that has absolutely no energy at all, they needed this more than anything else, and they got nothing out of it. I mean, literally, this was, this was hyped up to be something very special, and I guess the biggest highlight of the whole thing was not any of the, 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 the canned speeches that they wrote, like Michelle Obama wrote her canned speech. She wrote it about a week or two prior to the convention, and we know that because she failed to mention the vice presidential candidate at all, okay? So she obviously didn't think enough of her speech to go back in and rewrite it or think enough about her, her position in the party to go back and rewrite the speech. So she declares her speech and puts it out there and, of course, doesn't mention the vice presidential candidate. But, but make no mistake about it, the lengths to which the media is going to cover up the abysmal failure of this this telethon is unbelievable, okay? And I think what's really on this is, is, again, the ratings were really pathetic. The ratings were just so bad. And I want you to understand, folks, the ratings are the energy that's watching this. I mean, I can remember in 2016, it was like 30, 35 million Americans watching the convention every night. And, uh, what, you know, and, and it's like half that. Literally, nobody's watching it. There is no energy. There's nobody trying. There's nobody paying attention to the Democrat message. And what's really going to be interesting is to see what the Republican ratings are and seeing if the Republicans can do better in the rating war, if you will, because the ratings war is going to tell you where the energy is. And I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Uh, you're going to get this right here on 1180 WFYL uh, here on the point, as I will. I will go out there and I will say I believe the Republican convention will outperform the Democrat convention in ratings because we really do have the energy and there's a lot of penned up energy and excitement for Donald Trump and the Trump message and the Trump, uh, you know, and, and basically the Trump campaign and 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 uh, and, and whatever it, what's been going on for the last four years. There's people in this country that want to continue that. But, you know, I mean, here you've got you've got all these these professionals and from Hollywood that know how to dress up, uh, you know, dress up and doll up and, 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 and basically, uh, and, and make some, some, can, some pathetic looking telethon look like something more than it is, but they were very unsuccessful. They assembled what 
I think all the phony experts on TV would believe was something very special and, and what they delivered on and actuality, what we saw, was pretty pathetic. I mean, they had the creme de la creme, big tech companies and all these other experts putting this together, the, the creme de la creme broadcast network talents and all these other people, and of course those in the political world and in Hollywood, everybody came together and they thought they would put together the most wonderful package of a telethon that anyone ever seen and of course nobody watched it and you know what's interesting is and if you look inside the circles uh you talk to some of your democrat friends and family members you'll find out no one understands why the ratings were so bad i mean they don't understand i mean they're you know and they weren't down just a few percent i mean it was record lows i mean i don't really care where you go i mean they were record lows i mean originally they're they were holding out hope that that the streaming numbers, which are harder to actually ascertain, and the, the you know that the, the the streaming numbers would actually make up for the loss or the down numbers on conventional over-the-air broadcast TV and cable. But it, it just didn't pan out that way. It didn't happen. I mean, and there's all kinds of excuses that are being put out there. I mean, oh, it's a pandemic. We all know how hard it is. It's a pandemic, and everybody's still not. Everybody's scared to watch us on TV because they don't want to get sick. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the phony excuses you're seeing is unbelievable. I mean, you know, you know, people have to do Zoom meetings all day long, and they, you know, they're going to have to do Zoom meetings now. I mean, this is another Zoom meeting, I guess. And I mean, they were just offering up all kinds of of, of excuses. Okay, people don't want to do Zoom meetings. Uh, they don't want to watch a Zoom meeting on TV. Whatever. I mean, whatever. I mean. It's just scraping the bottom of the barrel because, you know, I mean, as someone I believe as myself who sees the truth when I see it, I know what it is when I see it. And of course, I bring it to you in distinct form, okay, in distinct fashion. It's not all hard for me to see it. And, and I think it won't be hard for you, our audience, to see this as well. You know, I mean, and, and so you wonder why they can't figure it out. And I, I don't know, maybe they just don't, they don't want to admit that they were wrong. I mean, I, I think they live in these echo chambers and they believe that everything's just wonderful all the time. And they believe that the polls were showing that he was up and this and that. But folks, I'm telling you, when you get every candidate knows, I had a conversation with someone recently and I said, you know, Joe Biden knows he's not going to win this election. And this person made a comment and said, well, gee, it's wonderful Clay, that, that you can understand how to read minds of these candidates and understand how to get into their heads, because that's such a political advantage. And I, I reminded this individual that that's really not what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is that when you run for office, as I have and as others have, you know whether you're going to win. You just know it. You know it. And the reason you know is because you're talking to people. You're out there communicating and you're talking to people. You're connecting with people. And when you're out there making connections within the community, if you're failing to make those connections, if you're failing to, to, to connect with people, not just in humor, but in life in general, if you fail to make those connections, you feel it and you know it. And when you know that the, the elections are turning around the way they're going to turn around and you're watching how this is all going to shape up, you're, you're waiting and you, you know, and you just get a feel for it. I mean, you just get a feel for it. Now, I, I'm not saying you, you, you know, you know, 100%, but, 
but you have an instinctive intuition whether or not you've got a good chance or not. And I believe Joe Biden knows he's got a real problem. And this is why they're running the, well, it was once uh, the presidential campaigns were once a, a, you know, a 12-month marathon, certainly an eight-month marathon. Uh, now they're they're going, uh, I, guess, I think they saw the COVID as an opportunity to take the, the eight-month or whatever, nine-month marathon and turned into a, a uh, half-a-mile sprint. And now they've taken this half-a-mile sprint, and they think they're going to try to do this in a 100-yard dash. And I think that they're trying to do this with the cover of the media. And I think this is where they're getting nervous, because this telethon revealed how horrible their message really is. The, the consistent and constant okay, contradictions throughout the, throughout the, 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 the telethon, okay, if you will, I'm going to call it a telethon convention because that's what it was, is, is unbelievable. I mean, they actually had people on there describing, they were describing, uh, you know, that the, the Biden-Harris would not be leftist. They would not turn hard left. They would not succumb to, you know, the leftist whatevers. And I know these people and their people of principle and care. All these, all these people coming up to give testimonials. I love, and I love the people they've got giving testimonials. I love that too. They've got these Republicans like John Kasich out there, sore loser Kasich. He's out there giving his testimonial. And this is a guy who, quite frankly, turned on the Republican Party and the president because he's a sore loser and he got beat so badly in the 2016 primary, but also, too, because he probably likely, and I don't know this, but likely he wanted something more to be given to him uh, by the Trump uh, administration. Okay. Also, you had the same thing with Willard Romney. Uh, you've got him out there. And of course, he wasn't speaking at the convention, but he's out there uh, doing little news clips here and there, talking about this and that. And they like taking digs at the president. Well, they, they brought Colin Powell out. I love that. Colin Powell. They actually had people out there trying to say how tough Biden will be on terrorism. And I couldn't believe it when I heard it. Like, and they mentioned, they, they, when, when they actually, they mentioned terror, they mentioned ISIS. And they said, you know, he will defeat ISIS. He will absolutely defeat, I mean, the way he defeated and handled ISIS. And all I can remember was these people have incredibly short memories because when Trump got into office, when Obama Biden left, okay, ISIS was a caliphate that was probably the size of of an average state in this country, like the size of Pennsylvania. It was a huge caliphate. They controlled 50, 60,000, maybe 70, 100,000 square miles. It was a huge caliphate. They had, it was tens of thousands of square miles. Okay. It was a giant caliphate. And that's what Obama Biden left behind. I think what's distinct on all that is how people like, you know, you know how, how how Colin Powell forgot about that, or they were talking at the at this telethon convention, and they were putting this out there like like the success of the Obama Biden, you know, managing this this ISIS terrorist campaign, if you will, and they're out there doing this. And I thought was so distinct on this was how you know how he forgot how poorly it was run. How Obama Biden called this the JV team. I thought that was pretty distinct as well. I mean, 
They actually saw this as they actually understood they state they understated the significance of the caliphate and which they let take place. Remember, they allowed ISIS to, to get a caliphate and to, and to get the foothold. They allowed that to happen. Just like their lousy foreign policy and that foreign policy allowed the taking of Crimea on a long weekend or the horror show that went on in the Ukraine, the tens of thousands of Ukrainians that died that no one seems to want to talk about or the or the uh, or the or the complete abysmal Iran nuclear deal, which basically gave Iran a nuclear bomb in 10 years. That was their compromise. We're going to make you wait 10 years for a bomb. I mean, uh, for nuclear technology. That was their compromise. These people had no foreign policy at all. Okay, or, 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 or how about what they did with China in the South China Sea by allowing the Chinese to establish fake, phony islands, creating sandbars in the South China Sea, uh, sandbars that they would then call islands of the, the Chinese communist country. Islands that they would now use to change the country's borders and to in, infiltrate international waterways and so forth, affect trade and so forth. I mean, their their abysmal foreign policy allowed all these other countries to, to basically get stronger around the world, have a stronger influence around the world, as he allowed our military to be, be completely gutted over eight years I mean, completely gutted. And it was just it was obsolete planes and weapons. I mean, it was just horrible, the condition when Trump took over. And all of that changed. And so these people like Colin Powell were trying to give credibility to the, to the you know, to, to the Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, I guess, uh, you know, credibility to their ability to manage uh, or to, to, to bring about some security, national security. That's all a smoke and mirrors game that Colin Powell took place in. And you have to ask, why would Colin Powell do that? I mean, here's a guy who was so American in the first Iraq war. And I remember him describing, you know, uh, Tariq Aziz's headquarters there as the bomb came through the roof. And he says, here's my opposition's headquarters. And the bomb went through and blew the building up. I mean, this guy was was Mr. Grits. He was Mr. Gritton. You know, he, he had true grit as a, as a general. How did he fall away so badly? It, it's Trump derangement. I mean, they, they literally have so much disdain towards Trump, and I just don't get it. I mean, it's the, it's the love of the establishment, I guess. I don't know. But whatever it is, okay, they, they're out there because of they have so much disdain towards Trump. They're out there in this Democrat convention and he's out there trying to give credibility to the proudness, the, the foreign policy proudness, if you will, of Harris and Biden. And I just think it's just a big joke, you know, but they're trying and they were trying, I think, so desperately, OK, to create some enthusiasm because there isn't any enthusiasm in the Democrat Party. There just isn't for Joe Biden. Kamala Harris is none of it. OK, and and they're going to tell you and, and they're going to they're, they're going to tell you they're. Their own polls show a majority of people who say they're going to vote in November, you know, they're, they're going to vote in November. Hate uh, They hate Trump, and that's why they're going to vote. Well, they're voting against Trump. They're not voting for Biden. Well, folks, that's all you need to know, because they're telling you. 
that there's people that are going to vote for Biden and Harris because they don't like Trump. And if they admit that their own nominee isn't in isn't basically isn't endearing, if you will, or, or generating any excitement on his own, then why would you expect massive a massive tune in to the convention? A massive turnout for the for the for the election. I mean, you're not gonna see a massive turn turnout in November if you don't see a massive tune in during your convention. Folks, like they make no mistake on this. I mean, mark my words, if, if when you see when you see historically low ratings, and I think, like I said, we're going to compare the Republican ratings. I'm telling you, I, I can assuredly tell you Trump's going to do better in the ratings because people want to hear what he has to say. They're not really interested in what Biden has to say. And, it, and, and, and I'm saying that because they, they just kind of know the message is, is, is nothing. I mean, the message is, I, you know, he doesn't like Trump. I mean, if you listened to the, to the Harris-Biden, uh, you know, COVID re- plan that they put out there, it's the same thing that Trump's doing, all of it, with the one, with the one exception being the mandated masks. Whether you're in a cornfield in Iowa or whether you're on a subway in Philadelphia, you have to wear a mask. And so... That would be the only mandate. That would be the only difference is that they want to, they want to uh, usurp it, or they want—I I should say—they want to, uh, they want to basically take charge of this over the governors. Okay, they—they they want to make—they want to enforce this over the top of the governors, and I think that's very distinct as well. But you know, when when they admit that their own nominee isn't generating any excitement then that should tell you a lot. And I, I think that you hear that and you don't always hear it. Uh, you don't always hear it when you're, when you're listening to the words coming out of the mouth, you kind of have to listen to kind of what they're saying and the picture they're trying to paint because you can see the phoniness in it. But I mean, I, I, I just think, I just think that there's a lot, I mean, th- they don't know what they can do to create excitement. They just don't. And a lot of times it's the it's the it's the vice presidential pick. So I mean, when John McCain was running in two thousand and eight, you know he was the you know he was the the guy that just didn't have any excitement at all. There wasn't any real energy with McCain. I mean, good guy. I mean, and he and he had the the war record and 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 whatnot. And and at the time, I mean, obviously I liked him, supported and voted for him. But it really wasn't until he got Sarah Palin on the ticket and during the convention. I said, that's the excitement I wanted to see. And she kind of brought some energy to the ticket. She brought she brought to the ticket something that wasn't there until she came. I'm not sure Harris does that. I don't think Harris brings anything to this ticket that isn't already there before she got there. I just don't see anything. I mean, Harris couldn't get any votes during the primary. Harris did a horrible job governing her own campaign. She ran out of money very quickly. And she had, she had, she was one of the, she, she was one of the candidates that had the, the most amount of money going into the primary. And she blew it all through it. I mean, it was just amazing how quick she went through it. But, but you have to realize the main thing you have to realize, okay, the ratings are down 
it, it is because Biden isn't exciting. And I think that's what you got to understand. The main reason that ratings were down is Biden isn't exciting, exciting at all. Nobody cares to watch him and listen to him. And there really is no energy to this ticket. There's no energy to what it is they're trying to they're trying to, to put out there. As I said, they have a political product. They put the political product out there in a quote unquote convention and they dress up this political product. They message this political product and they also use the media to create the buzz around the political product through advertising and whatnot, plus the news and everything else. They get they, it's such a complete package of information that gets flooded out to the to the population and they use that to kick off the campaign with with like a look with a, with the energy of a locomotive. OK, well, they failed in this miserably, but you wouldn't know that if you listen to the phony propaganda networks, you wouldn't listen. If you listen to those phony experts, you wouldn't know how how they failed there because the air cover is unbelievable. I mean, the phony propaganda networks are out there. They're, they're out there basically saying that what you saw with your own eyes and what you heard with your own ears. Well, it really wasn't what you think it was. It's what I'm telling you it was. And so they create this storyline of how magnificent this whole thing was and how magnificently assembled this whole thing was and how the message it was messes so supremely perfectly. And, 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 and so you're hearing all of this coming out of their mouth and you're wondering, wait a minute. This isn't what I saw. So then you turn into our show here on The Point, right here on 1180 WFYL AM radio. You turn here because you want to you hear the straight skinny. I mean, you, you're, you're all wondering, did, did, did Clay see this? Did, did he see it this way? I mean, how did he see it? And I think you're going to see that I see it the same way you see it. Which was it a bit? It was a, it was a, a it was a huge failure, a huge kaplowie. It was a huge, it was just a, a horrible, horrible, pathetic demonstration. And again, you know, the people on the Democrat side, because of the prop, the propaganda media, don't know the extent of Biden's mental drop off. They don't understand the the extent of Biden's shortcomings they really don't they just don't know and they don't even they don't even have the element of whether he's going to make it through the four years or not and we talked about the polling on that about a week or two ago where Rasmussen reports had surveyed I guess likely voters and said six out of ten likely voters don't believe Biden will finish his first four years in office. And folks, I mean, I mean, that's just, that's just bodes very, very bad for the Democrats. When, when your standard bearer is seen by so many Americans as not likely to finish his first term, that standard bearer is not likely to get the votes of too many of those people that see him not finishing that four year term. I mean, you're just not going to see very many people want to vote for someone that they don't believe is going to finish their, their job. If you will, you don't hire someone in business, even if you like them, you don't hire them if you don't think they're going to finish the job. You know, you hire somebody to, to, to take on and manage something or to handle something or to handle a task. I mean, you do take a chance on things. I'm not saying you don't, 
But when you believe by the interview process that that person is not right for the job or certainly will not last in the job and that you'll be right back there in that position doing interviews again to replace the person that you took a flyer on this time. Well, with voting for president, people are just not likely to allow Biden to to get in there. They're not going to cast a vote for a guy that they don't believe is going to finish his term. Folks, don't miss that. I don't want our listeners to miss, miss that at all. And I want our listeners to understand what the excitement end of it. Because I want to wrap this up a little bit with the excitement end of it. I want our listeners to understand what this Democrat telethon convention, what this revealed to me as a viewer, but to me as a as a political observer, was the lack of energy and excitement that they do have for their candidate, the lack of messaging that they do have as a party, and the aimless ruttering that they have and which way to go and which way the political winds are blowing, they don't know. And it's evidenced in what I see when I'm out, because again, I'm the chairman of the Republican Party in Berks County. So when I see, okay, when I see, from when I'm doing our, our sidewalk roadside events, if you will, our Trump road, roadside rallies, we're handing out Trump signs to people. We get We set up on a main road and we do so in communities. We set up on the main road. And we put up a little tent there. We have a register to vote sign. And we also have a Burke's GOP sign, a big banner there. And then we have a bunch of signs up there that say uh, free Trump yard signs. And, of course, we have a whole bunch of yard signs we're holding up. And then we have other things, you know, like, you know, the, the Democrats represent the lawless left. Vote the Dems out. Vote for law and order. Things like that. And when you're on busy roads in Democrat communities, which... We're, we're in about half the time, and we're, we're making it a point to get into the Democrat strongholds in Berks County so that we can really get a gauge, a feel, for how the, the public is seeing this. And I'm telling you, folks, the excitement for Trump and Democrat communities is very high. Now, I mean, it's higher in the Republican communities, but we do see a strong support for Trump in areas that are 60, 70, 80 percent Democrat. In Berks County. So I, I want our listeners to understand, I expect Berks County to vote for Trump heavily. Now, in 2016, uh, Trump beat Clinton by 20,000 votes. I expect Trump will beat Biden by 30,000 votes or more this time around in Berks County. I believe it. I'm, I'm convinced of it. And uh, we'll make a note as to, as to the show here. And, uh, you know, August 22nd, our show here on the 22nd, <laughs> where I made a prediction that I believe Trump will win by 30,000 or more votes in Berks County. I believe it because I see the excitement. I mean, we have one car a minute pulling off of busy roads, one car a minute doing U-turns, you know, going down the street, doing U-turns in parking lots, coming back the other way to do another U-turn to get back on our side of the road so they can turn back in and get a Trump yard sign, going all that effort for a tree, a free Trump yard sign. Folks, if we set up there with Biden yard signs, you can believe they would not be doing that for Joe Biden yard signs. I mean, we hand out about 60 or 70 signs an hour uh, for Donald Trump, and I would submit to you, you wouldn't hand out 15 signs an hour for Biden. You just wouldn't. You wouldn't. And I think they know it. We know it. 
Joe Biden knows it. And I think the truth is out there. And the truth is what we just saw with this failing convention. I mean, the bottom line is if people aren't turning out to watch it on the television or if they weren't turning out to watch it on streaming or anything else, they're not likely to turn out at the polls. And uh, that lack of enthusiasm is going to crush the Democrats, not just at the top of the ticket, but it's going to crush the Democrats on down ballot tickets. I mean, I'm going to make another prediction of the bold prediction. I believe that the Republicans will pick up three U.S. House seats, Congress, congressional seats in Pennsylvania. I believe we will pick up three House seats. I also think that uh, we'll likely pick up two to four state Senate seats, which will put us right at the cusp of a veto-proof Senate. I also believe that we'll pick up between five to ten House seats, state House seats, which will put us closer to a veto-proof House. Uh, Either way, I think the people in Pennsylvania have had it up to their eyes with, uh, with just a tyrannical sort of leadership from our governor and flattening the economy instead of flattening the curve. Remember, they told us for, for months, it was weeks, it was going to be, we just need to flatten the curve here so that we could get ahead of this and get the PPEs we need so we could handle the flow of, of sick people in the hospitals. Well, then it went from that to flatten the economy, and we've been on flattening the economy for quite some time. And many businesses are still struggling with that because we have horrible leadership at the top at Harrisburg, which basically is out there, you know, figuring out how to keep business from making any real money. Okay, I mean, it's just amazing. And uh, they're just poorly handling this. But, you know, the reason that this convention, this telethon looks small is because it was small. The reason it looked ineffective is because it was ineffective. And I, I just don't want to, I don't want our listeners to miss that. I think you got I mean you've got people on the on the fake news now that they're they're now insulting Trump's base. I mean they they're they're just saying that you know, I mean Trump's base is not educated and you know, I mean they're they're out there on the news. If you're watching these fake channels, you can see these fake experts talking down Trump's base, Trump's voting base. I mean, they're they're literally, because they're so fed up with what they see at the Democrat convention. I mean, I mean, if you, if you were a supporter of law and order, if you were a suburban mom looking for a message at that convention, a message that you could latch onto that would give you confidence that if you voted for the Democrats, you would have law and order in your streets, you would have safety in your schools and you would have you know, safety again in the cities, that you would see businesses reopen and flourishing again in the cities, that you would see the cities turn around again and, 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 and you know, prosperity re- to return. I mean, if, if you were a suburban mom, you know, you're, you're going to be voting for that. Law and order is going to be on the ballot. And they're not looking at these Democrats as bringing this on. And this convention did not give them that confidence. It really didn't. When you watch the convention, you did not get the confidence that they were going to support law and order. I mean, you had some veiled comments. I I can't remember who it was that made the comment. It was a veiled comment that they believe that um, that this disorder would continue unless Biden is elected. I mean, it was I mean, that was veiled. It was a veiled 
I don't want to say threat, but it was a veiled promise, if you will, of misery, of despair. I think if you watch this convention with objective eyes, you saw the promised punishments that they promised to put on successful Americans. And I think what's really telling on this is what you didn't, you didn't hear anything on. And again, you know, you didn't hear anything about the polling that showed that, you know, of course, you didn't hear anything about the job boom, that the anticipated job boom. I mean, there are going to be really good numbers coming out. All the indicators show it. Uh, this is going to be a great third quarter. The Democrats know that, too, and that's another thing that's kind of got them all depressed. So when you combine the, the anticipated economic upswing, if you will, combine that with their their abysmal showing at the convention itself, uh, you, you're, you, you know, you, they, you're going to understand why they got so depressed and why they are. I mean, the CNN poll that's been showing Biden up by 10 points week after week, month after month, consistently for <laughs> since April now uh, came out just before the Democrat convention showing Biden up by a handful of points. And and, you know, you're looking at that saying, well, Biden's still ahead. But but when you look at the sampling and you saw that 31 percent of the sampling were Democrats and 27 percent were Republicans. Well, folks, there's your four percent. And then, of course, you got 42 percent independents. OK. And again, that was the balance of independence. Well, who in the who, who, who in the world thinks that 42 out of every 100 voters in this election is going to be an independent voter? Who, who even believes that? I mean, people that vote in presidential elections are primarily party voters. I mean, and they're and they're likely voters. I mean, so when you look at this and, and again, I think what's really interesting is when you look at the states, let's, let's look at Pennsylvania. I want to shift gears a little bit and get into some numbers. Pennsylvania has about 11 point. Oh, I guess I don't know. 11.7 million people in it somewhere in there. Out of that, you've got probably. Oh, maybe 10 million uh, people of voting age. Okay. Now, they're trying to make you think by looking at the state's own website and their own data numbers. They're trying to make you believe 85% of the state is registered to vote. In other words, they're trying to make you believe we have 8.5 million registered voters. Folks, don't believe it. That's a lie. That's grossly inaccurate. Now, I'm not saying they don't have that number of people on the polls. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that when someone moves into an address on one street and they register to vote back in 2008 when Project Acorn was out there and all these cities registering all these voters. Remember that Project Acorn? They were signing up right there. Well, they basically inflated the voting registration numbers in all of these states. They made these numbers larger than life. The problem is many of those people did not vote in 2008 and certainly since 2008. So they they didn't vote. And we know that because 2012, Barack Hussein Obama had like five million less votes, four million less votes than he had in, in 08. So we know that they registered many, many people that did not come out and vote. OK, which, by the way, it was one of the first times in history that a president was ever reelected with less votes than they got when they were elected. I thought that was an interesting fact. I don't want our listeners to miss. But, you know, when, when you look at the registered voters and, you know, again, in, in the state of Pennsylvania, 
I believe they they they, they claim there's 8.3 million or something. You got to understand there's a lot of people that don't ever vote. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that never vote. I mean, they, they either voted in 2008 and they haven't since, or they didn't even vote, but they just registered. Well, they're still on the books in many of these counties. Now, some counties are pretty good in cleaning up their books, but you can, you can know, you can know right down to the ground that they're not good in Philadelphia at cleaning those books up. Okay. You can know that. I mean, you can, you can know that as sure as you know, 10 dimes by a dollar, okay, that Philadelphia would not be good at cleaning their voting books. So if they registered, and, and all these other cities, these other large cities as well, they're not very good at it. So when you, in the counties, I mean, wouldn't be good at cleaning. So when you look at these actual numbers, you have to know that they're, they're, there's a lot of built-in skewing of the, of the numbers. So if you take out the people that never vote, which is likely about a million of those 8.3 million, you're down to about 7.3 million, 7.4 million, okay? Now, if you look in there and you say, well, how many people only voted like twice in the last 10 years? Well, then you're going to see a whole lot more of them fall out because a lot of these people either pass away and they remain on the books or they move out of state and obviously remain on the books because, again, when they move, I mean, they're, they're here. I mean, the problem with the voting registry, and they have to understand, is that when people move from one place to another, you know, the, the, they stay on the books as a registered voter. And there, there are likely people in this state that have moved three or four times in the last five, ten years that may be registering, you know, have registered to vote at each place. So they're going to be on the books in different locations. There's, there's a good possibility of that too, folks, okay? So please don't miss that. There's a lot of ways the numbers get inflated. So when I look at the actual voting numbers, I'm thinking there's about 7 million actual voters in this state that that you can look at as possibly getting to vote for you. And right now, when you look at the voting registration numbers in the state of Pennsylvania, based on those numbers, and based on the fact that we know that there's about, oh, about 40% of the state is registered Republican and about 45 is registered Democrat, that the Democrats really only have about a 300,000 vote advantage in the state of Pennsylvania. We know that now. I mean, we know that based on what I just said. Now, that being said, this is going to be a base turnout election. Biden knows it. Everyone else knows it. Now, the reason they're looking at all these mail-in ballots is because they're terrified that the, uh, the unrest in these cities are going to keep people home. And uh, it's really concerning the Democrats. It really is because they kept this unrest in the cities. And, and obviously it, it, it could thwart some of the turnout in some of these communities. So there's concern there. They also know what I just said to you is real, that they don't, they don't really have 8.4 million voters in the state. They really have about seven because they haven't cleaned their, their, their voting rolls. So that being said as well, and, and they know too, again, as I stated, there's about 10 million people that are actually of age and able to register to vote in the state, you know, eligible voters, about 10. And if 70% of them were, were registered, that's 7 million. So that's kind of my math as well. That's kind of my reasoning. I don't believe it's 80%. I think it's probably 65 or 70%. And I'm going to go with the higher number because I think it's probably right. We have motor voter in this state, you know, you get a driver's license, they give you a chance to register to vote. So there's a lot of that. So 
based on what I just suggested and stated there, <clears throat> that there's there's a slight advantage still in favor of the Democrats, but the movement is in favor of the Republicans, and they know it. The Democrats know it. They know it. Pennsylvania is going to vote for Trump, and they know it. <clears throat> sure, as like I said, 10 dimes make a dollar. They're sure of it. And the polling that CNN just put out there is concerning the Democrats because even in a skewed poll where 42% of the independents were polled in this, Biden's only up by four points, which means it's probably 50-50. Independents are probably 50-50. And then, of course, you have your partisan, your, your party partisans. Now, <clears throat> just to make it clear, because obviously, you know, you got 27%, 31%, the difference is 4%, and that's what Biden is up in the poll. So my guess is, that, uh, you know, that they're probably looking at like, I don't know, 51-49 with independence and then Biden having a slight ed- edge because of the of the uh, four point advantage in the in the sampling. But even with the skewed sampling, they're only up by four points. This is what's terrifying to the Democrats. And they they're trying to create something that really is not there and they're using the media to do it. And, you know, it's it's. It's really something interesting because, again, when when the debates were had, the, dem- the Democrats are all claiming to be who was more socialist. Remember the debates? Everyone remembers the debates. The debates were showing everyone, uh, you know, here's the Democrats are all on full display. And they're all talking about whose social programs, whose socialist ideas would end America's traditions quicker. Whose horrible socialist suppressing ideas would end America's culture quicker would end America quicker whose ideas would help China do better in their economy quicker whose whose ideas would help the other powers around the around the globe like Russia and China do better economically which would help them militarily which again would hurt us militarily which is, I said, their plan. Uh, their plan is to to sabotage this country. So many of these people have that plan. And again, I, I believe there's a, a, a deeper dark money movement that funds some of these political parties that just hate America. There is no other way to understand it. I mean, let's face it. I mean, why would somebody support regulations and policies for us that they don't support for China, which is going to make it easier for China to do business and harder for us to do business. Why would they want that? Unless, of course, their goal is to hurt our country. I mean, think about it. It just makes sense to me. It just makes sense. And I don't want our listeners to miss that. But but you have to understand that there's, a, there's again, you, you're looking at, you're looking at this Democrat convention, if you will. It's, uh, there, it was a parade of ideas, policies, and processes that are just going to make this country go sour real fast. I mean, they support decriminalizing illegal border crossings. They do. They That came up in the debates. Uh, you heard it. You heard some of the, uh, you heard some of the discussion throughout the week about uh, immigration, their immigration, their stance on immigration, sanctuary cities, and so forth, their support for open borders 
is real, folks. Now, they don't use the term open borders, but they use things like decriminalizing illegal border crossings and offering health care for everyone. Now, that didn't come out in the debates, but you did hear you did hear Bernie Sanders promise that if Biden was to win, that there would be a huge movement to transform this country completely. Folks, make no mistake. When I say that they don't like this country, the evidence of that that I'm pointing to, the actual hard evidence that I'm pointing to, to categorically patently prove that I'm right, that they don't like this country, that they would rather see China excel than America excel. The evidence is when they're out there making these claims that they're going to transform this country, fundamentally transform. Folks, you don't fundamentally transform anything you like. Make no mistake about that. You do not fundamentally change anything that you wholeheartedly love and like and and cherish. You just don't. You want to preserve that which you cherish. You want to preserve that which you like and hold dear. You want to fundamentally change anything you don't like. Okay? So when they talk about fundamental change in this country, that is a dog whistle for me. I catch it. They're talking to their radical anarchist side. They're talking to the anarchists that support this party. The Democrats are talking to those anarchists when they say they want to fundamentally change. That's a dog whistle for them, folks. But you don't hear the propaganda networks out there declaring that, decrying that, folks. They're not doing that at all. It's because the, the propaganda is acting like an enemy of the people. They're out there declaring over and over that this was such a wonderful convention, so such a magnificently assembled you know, production of, of all these wonderful, smart people. I mean, I, I, you know, instead of getting into the meat and potatoes of what they're trying to do and what they're fundamentally changing, and this is what I don't want our listeners to miss, okay? I mean, the Democrats are talking about fundamentally changing this country, and, and again, by getting rid of the, by, by, by decriminalizing illegal border crossings, they would basically, I mean, as Thomas Jefferson, I believe it was Thomas Jefferson said, I mean, without a border, you don't have a country. So make no mistake about it. You know, their, their feeling on all of this is to, is to make it very difficult for Americans. Now, another thing they want to fundamentally do is they want to end private health care insurance. Why they don't like our health care system. So the health care system that you like, that I like, that we have, our plans, they want to make them outlawed. They want to outlaw our health care plans, and they want to give us more insurance coverage. They want to give us less health care and more insurance coverage. Now, that sounds ridiculous, but it really is. I mean, you're, you're buying coverage. You're not buying care. Okay, and that's what they want to do. And this is what they want to give this country. They want to take away from those that enjoy their policy so they can basically uh, ruin the system and make and control the lives of so many people by controlling their health care. Okay. And again, they want to give free everything to everyone. I mean, that's something else that comes out and that, that came out in this in this convention of theirs. Now, one thing that you don't ever hear anybody talking to them about is the unrestricted abortions at any point in the pregnancy. You never hear them go there. And it's really compelling and distinct for me because as a pro-life individual, I, I wonder how in the world a person 
who claims to be a person of faith could rationalize their their feelings on killing babies, uh, their support for their feelings for killing babies. I mean, they just say it's wrong, but I don't want to take away her right to make that decision. Well, folks, you know, at, at some point you got to figure it out. Look, we all have to pick a hill to die on. I mean, for many of us, you know, to, to, to pay the ultimate price, for many of us is our families. I mean, our families uh, is the hill that we all are willing to pay the ultimate price on. But for many others, they don't have another hill that they're willing to pay the ultimate price on. But people with principles do. And I think when you start looking at things, and people of faith do, protecting their, their right to to, to exercise their faith, but also protecting the most vulnerable of our society, the most vulnerable most vulnerable being the unborn baby. It's unbelievable to me that you have a, a, a segment of this society that does not see that as significant. Well, those people generally, folks, generally, those people are in the Democrat Party. Now, they also want to support, and, and, you know, during the debates, they talked about voting rights for felons, and they also talked about lowering the voting age. I thought that was significant. Uh, they talked about lowering that, I think, to about 16. They talked about, I mean, the Green New Deal. I think that's just so distinctive, and I, we got into that last week. But the Green New Deal is, is their attempt to uh, use the uh, EPA, to weaponize the EPA to deconstruct our, capitalist, our, our capitalistic society here. They want to take down our business with the EPA and obviously make our lives so expensive to live. It's not even funny. Force us to, to live just marginally, okay, because the cost of everything being so high. I mean, another thing they talked about, and if you watched the convention, you could see the little the little hints, the little hints at defunding the police. Don't miss that, folks. They want to defund the police. And there's little, if you heard some of the pieces that were out there, you go through it, you can see it. But it, that's in, I mean, that's something they talked about. They talked about consistently, not just in the debates. They talked about defunding ICE during the debates. But since, well, since late May, they've been talking about defunding the police. Now, it's not an official platform of theirs, but you can believe that the most anarchist of all these Democrats, they don't want the police there to protect and preserve the rights of citizens in the middle class. They want to weaken the police. They want to put in district attorneys that want to let people go out of jail. That don't want to prosecute crimes and then they want they want to basically make it very hard for the police to get people prosecuted. Which will frustrate the police and upset them so that they either don't want to do their job or when they do it they they're just going to be forced into certain things. They don't in other words they're going to make things not as efficient as they should be in providing law and order. And suburban moms aren't going to buy into that. And again, if you look at some of this and how some of this went on, you can see for yourself, folks, it really is a distinct difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. And we're going to get a we're going to get a real bird's eye view of this. We're going we're, we're to really get a good bird's eye view. The Second Amendment. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, they were in the debate. I mean, both of them were in the debate talking about whose policies would be more effective at taking away Second Amendment rights than the other. They were all talking about it. Okay, they all want to. They want. They want to push anyone, anyone who's a Second Amendment rights person. They want to push them to through the proverbial hoop as much as humanly possible. Make things difficult. The Accountable Capitalism Act, which basically demanding government has a say in the makeup of company boards and 
has a say in, you know, the, the, the payments of dividends and basically attacking profits, attacking dividends, attacking 401ks and pension plans, forcing large companies to get federal charters. All of this is bad, bad for profit, bad for pay. I mean, all of this is where they're going as a party. And I think we've seen enough of this, and I'm looking forward with great anticipation to see what the Republicans will put forward. I do believe, as I said, we're going to see a distinct difference between the parties. And I think the American people are going to see this, and they are seeing this. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited right now to see what's going to happen. But, I mean, folks, don't miss that. We, we are out of time. Folks, thank you for all of you for listening to our show today, for tuning into us every week okay we truly appreciate you folks turning in every week i mean it's, it's exciting to watch many of you out there just just making us your your stop every saturday morning on am radio 1180 wfyl right here at 7 a.m because you you're looking for the blue chip discussion that's going to be unpacking the truth in a way that packs a punch and we did that i believe today Thank you for being here. Thanks for tuning in. Many of our audience tunes into us while in the listening area by just tuning in. Others like to go to the uh, either the website, 11AWFYL.com, and click Listen Live, or they can go to YouTube and search 11AWFYL and then click Listen Live there. Others wait for our masterful directors to get our podcasts up on the site right after the show, and they like to pick up the podcast at their convenience. However you choose to do it, folks, Thank you for doing it. That's why we are here. See you next week on The Point, folks. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.